I really appreciate Shan coming. He's under the weather today, and he came out still and, uh, and spoke. Thank you for doing that, Shan, and, and thank you, Jody. Uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, as we are talking about the needs that we have for Windshape, uh, I want to point out that no one has been more supportive of Windshape camps than Shan and Jody Queen. And they have poured a, a lot of time and resources and money into Windshape camps that you will not believe. So I'm very grateful for them. And they basically don't get much from Windshape camps, okay? They're giving a lot, but they don't get anything back from it. And so I appreciate their love and passion for Windshape camps. And where do we go from here as far as Windshape camps? I want to encourage you that Miss Kara Rudd is in the, in the mall area, and she's there to uh, receive you. And, uh, and if you have a calling on your heart to be able to volunteer, please go and see her. She has information about that. If you feel a calling on your heart to, to give so that other kids can be able to go to Windshape camps, we'd love for you to come and see her about that and talk with her about that. And also, if you have any kids that are here or grandkids that you would like to be able to go to camp, come and see her. She can give you a bunch of information. And for the kids, we also have some swag out there for the kids. So if you want to bring your kids by, they can get some bracelets or some uh, uh, Frisbees for you to throw around in the car on the way home because parents love it when kids have Frisbees, little tiny Frisbees to throw around. So, so come by and see Kara. And there's one other way. If you cannot volunteer, if you don't have grandkids to send or kids to send, if you can't give any money or anything, you can bring snacks. We have a need for snacks for the wind-shaped kids that come and so we are collecting snacks between now and when Windshape gets here, and we'd love for you to drop off some snacks, and we have some bins on the third floor, and you can talk to Kara Rudd about that as well. So on the third floor up in the kids' wing, you can bring some snacks, individually wrapped snacks to bring. So that's Windshape Camp. So thank you for letting me talk to you about that. I'm excited about Windshape Camps and what it's going to do this year. We have 161 kids, like I mentioned, and I look forward to having more between now and when Windshape Camp. So again, I'm Richard Fanuke, and I'm the children's pastor. And I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to speak with you guys this morning. And as a children's pastor, I, I imagine you're probably curious about what would the children's pastor want to talk about when he gets in front of the whole church? Can't imagine, right? Well, I'm going to talk about children, all right? Are you guys shocked? Can you all hear me back there? All right. Guys, listen, I love children. And I believe that the children's ministry is the most important ministry in our church. And I'm going to back that up with a few reasons in just a second, but, but I want you to know that I think that the number one place where we should have people serving and devoting their time is in our children. And that is including, in my opinion, the preschool children and youth. All right, so Jason Lesh is going to get a bunch of free publicity this morning because I love that brother so much. And my wife is going to get a lot of free publicity because I love her even more than I love Jason. Did you know that? I love you more than I love Jason. All right. So children's ministry. First reason why I believe that children's ministry is so important is because I was once a child, okay? And so back in 1977, and this is Richie Finucan up here. Paul, you remember Richie Finucan? My brother Paul over there. He remembers this kid, okay? I can't believe he was my friend back then. But this is Richie Finucan. I spelled my name R-I-C-H-I-E. This picture's from 1977. And that was the year, a couple things happened that year. Number one, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and I was baptized. The second thing that happened was Star Wars came out. 1977, baby. Don't y'all love Star Wars? All right, that's not important. But this little guy right here came to know Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna share with you Richie's story, okay? 
Because Richie was born into a broken home. Richie never got to meet his father. He never knew him. And Richie was raised by a single mom and had an older brother, three years older than him. And my mom did the best she could, and she worked hard, and we were terrible to her most of the time, my brother and I. My brother was worse to her than I was, but I was still bad. But she raised us. But some important things happened in the life of my mom and in, the life of, of my, in my life that was important. And first of all, in Richie's life, someone came to his mom and said, hey, I'd like for you to come to church. And, tr- and I'm going to name some names here because I think names are important because I want you to see all the people that were investing in the lives of Richie Finucane and Sean Finucane and Sharon Finucane. And the first person who came along was Teresa Stevens. And uh, she had a parent who went to a church in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Bible Chapel, just inside New Smyrna. Now, Teresa didn't have a, a good children's program in her church. She said, don't come to my church. Go to my parents' church because they love kids. Reminds me of First Baptist Daytona Beach. And so we began to go to church with Teresa Stevens' parents. And their names were Butch and Merle Davis. They are old school people. Butch and Merle, right? And so we began to go to church, New Smyrna Bible Chapel. And, uh, and we would go sometimes with my mom. Sometimes somebody would come and pick us up and take us to church. And we would get dropped off. And I just remember that time as being so important because at New Smyrna Bible Chapel is the first time I really heard about salvation. Now, I can't remember a time when I didn't believe in God. I'm lucky because I apparently grew up in church enough that I always believed that there was a God. But then one day, sitting in New Smyrna Bible Chapel, they began to tell me that I was a sinner and that my sin separated me from God. And they explained to me that that Jesus came and died on the cross for my sins. And they explained to me that if I accepted Jesus as my Savior, that he would forgive me of my sins and I could have eternal life with him in heaven. And the alternative to that was, okay, was spending an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Now, I don't know about you, but as a little kid, oh, Richie's gone. As a little kid, I did not like the alternative of being in hell for eternity, separated from God. I wanted to be in heaven with Jesus. Because I believe that heaven was a wonderful place, filled with glory and grace. And I wanted to see my Savior's face because heaven was a wonderful place, and I wanted to go there. I didn't want to go to that other place, H-E double hockey sticks, okay? Didn't want to go there. So one day, I was at Sunday school. We called it Sunday school back then. And I asked to be excused to go to the restroom. And while I was in the restroom, uh, using the bathroom, I prayed this simple prayer. And I like to just tell you what I was doing. I prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I know your son died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I pray that you would come into my life and be Lord of my life. And I was so excited on that day because I knew that I was going to heaven. And I wasn't going to be separated from God for eternity. And I went back to my Sunday school teacher and I said, guess what I just did? I just prayed to receive Jesus as my Savior. And I'm so thankful to Miss Teresa Stevens and to Butch and Merle for investing in my life. Now, my story doesn't end there. I didn't live a perfect life. I didn't get everything straight. But a few other things happened in my life 
They encouraged you as you were going to be baptized and join a local church. Back then, you know, 30 minutes to New Smyrna was a long way to go back then, 1977. So they encouraged us to get involved in a local church. So there was the First Baptist South Daytona, which is a, a, a church that you guys planted. Thank you so much for planting First Baptist South Daytona. And we joined that church. My mother and I went forward and we were baptized, my mom and I, at First Baptist South Daytona. And it was there that several people invested in my life. And I'm going to share with you their names. When I was about Richie's age in 1977, Miss Petticord, Denise Petticord, invested in my life. I went to her summer day camp at First Baptist South Daytona. And later on in third grade, Miss Dozier, Teresa Dozier, who was my third grade teacher and my fifth grade teacher, invested in my life and in my mom's life. And I worked with her at day camp as well, after school day camp. And also I, I uh, was good friends with her. Uh, Rex Duggar, who some of you may know, invested in my life in a big way. Rex gave me a fundamental truth about who I was that I hold on to to this day. And that is that I'm a Christian. That I'm not anything else before I'm a Christian. I'm not a football player. I'm a Christian that plays football. I'm not a, a video gamer. I'm a Christian who plays video games. I'm not a surfer. I'm a Christian who might surf. Okay? Whatever you are, you should be a Christian first. He gave me that fundamental truth. Who are you? You are a Christian. And that's what I hold on to. Thank you, Rex Duggar, for that. Then it was uh, Jay Stuckey who invested in my life. He grounded my faith, helped me not get too overly spiritual so that I wasn't any good to anybody else. He let me realize that real people can know Jesus and we can be real and love people unconditionally. And there was also... Uh, finally, uh, a, a guy named Jeff Miller, who actually some of you probably know as well. Jeff Miller invested in my life, and I don't know if he knows this or not, but in a very crucial time in my life when I was uh, just getting ready to graduate from high school and I felt called to the ministry, but I wasn't living very good. As you know, in high school years, those can be rough years. And I was running from my faith, and I was angry, and I didn't feel like God could use me because I wasn't good enough. And he invested in my life at that crucial time and brought me to some Teens Encountering Christ weekends and an Emmaus weekend, Walk with Christ weekend, a couple of those. And it was there that God said to me, I know that you're a terrible guy, Richard. And I know that you don't feel good enough, but I love you anyways, and I could still use you. And it was there that I decided, you know, no matter what, I need to do what God asked me to do. No matter how bad a guy I am, I need to get my life right, and I need to follow Christ. And so from that day, I decided to go ahead and surrender my life to the ministry and fast forward to several years and I'm in ministry as a children's pastor. And I feel very blessed and lucky that so many people invested in my life and poured into my heart the love of Jesus. When I talk about Rex Duggar, he spent time with me individually. Miss Petticord let me come into her home and spend time with her. And, her, and our friends would hang out at her house. Miss Dozier, she was, throughout my whole life, Miss Dozier had people in her house, not good kids. The worst of the worst would go to Miss Dozier's house and she would love them and feed them and give them things and she would tell them about Jesus. And I was one of those rotten kids. There's no reason why I should be up here standing teaching you guys about Jesus. Matter of fact, I shared earlier at the warehouse that when I was in high school uh, youth ministry, I almost got kicked out of the church and out of the youth ministry there. Now, it wasn't something too terrible, okay? I've done much worse probably, but, 
But we had a big meeting and all the youth came into the choir loft of the church and we had a big talk. And Are we going to kick Richard out? Are we not going to kick him out? And there was this big bonanza of excitement. So luckily they loved me unconditionally. <laughs> and I was able to stay. And, and I don't know what would have happened if they had kicked me out where I would have gone. But they loved me. And, and to be honest with you, I'm still trying to get it right sometimes. I'm still messing up. I'm still a sinner saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ. And God still uses me despite that. That's the first reason why I love kids. Because I was a kid who was invested in and loved unconditionally for Jesus. There's another reason I love that picture of me. I look so good. Uh, The next reason, of course, is some statistics. Now these vary depending upon where you look at, but 85% of people who come to know Jesus Christ say that they come to know Jesus Christ between ages of 4 and 14. Okay? Now that will vary between what statistic you look at. But let me tell you guys something. That's right in the middle of my ministry. A little bit in preschool, a little bit in Jason's. Right there. Fertile ground for our kids to come to know Jesus Christ. The number one place where we should have people Serving and loving and doing is in our children's ministry because we have kids who are ready to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now you get into what? Uh, let me see up here. 15 to 30 and it drops down to 10%. Age 30, you're getting, you're getting lucky there. Not that we shouldn't reach out to the 30 and overs. Of course we should because there's a real need there. But gosh, guys, what an opportunity we have to really make an impact in a child's life between the ages of 4 and 14. Now, that's all well and good, I'm sure. That's why I love children's ministry, and that's why I do. And, and to be honest with you, if I wasn't a children's pastor, I would feel the same way about children's ministry. Number one priority. But there's an even greater reason why I think that children's ministry is so important. And we're going to look at that in Matthew chapter 19, Verses 13 to 15, we're going to get the heart of some people. We're going to get to the heart of some folks in the Bible. And there's one heart that we mainly need to focus on, but we're going to cover all the other ones as well. So in chapter 19, verse 13, it says, Then some children were brought to him, that's Jesus, so that Jesus might lay his hands on them and pray. So we have some families, and they're bringing their kids to Jesus because they want Jesus to lay his hands on them. They want Jesus to bless the children. Now, I can relate to these mothers and fathers and parents who are bringing their kids to Jesus because I had a mom who had a desire for me to know who Jesus was and to be blessed by him. And she knew that if I was in church and I was able to have a relationship with him, that my life would be blessed. And she was right. Her number one priority for me was to be able to be in church because she knew that the best thing for me and my brother was to know who Jesus Christ was. And she did that. My mom sacrificed a lot for me and my brother to be able to do that. We have families who bring their kids to church because they know that there's something different about Jesus Christ. 
They know all about who he is, and they're looking for their kids to be able to have that kind of experience with Jesus. And you know, in this story here, the, if you look back in, in Matthew and you see all the things that, that had been going on with Jesus, I mean, he was feeding people, 5,000 people, 4,000 people. He was healing people. He was exercising demons. He had a sermon on the mount where he preached the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor. There's something different about Jesus. He was saying something different. He was different than everybody else. We have that same Jesus today that we offer to the world outside in our community. And we do some awesome things at our church. We have a, an awesome fall festival that we put on, and we're doing wind-shaped camps, and, and we have a really exciting Easter egg hunt that got really exciting this year, our Easter egg hunt. Didn't it get exciting this year? We put on some great events. And guys, listen, when people see us giving unconditionally to the community like that, they see something different in us. And that difference is Jesus Christ. When they come and they don't have to pay for lunch and they get to get free Easter eggs and they get to ride free rides and ride horseback and they go on a hayride and all of that's free, there's something different about that. Because everybody else is asking for money. You go to Disney, they're not going to give you nothing for free. I know from experience. Okay? Something different about Jesus. And we carry that. Parents, let me tell you guys something. Parents want their kids to know who Jesus is. They're desperate for it. But then let's talk about the disciples. Because the disciples, the big thing that I like about the disciples, and I'm going to say that I like them because I think they're fantastic people. The disciples to me represents the church. They're the first part of the church as we are beginning. And what I love about them is they remind me so much of myself. Okay? Because the disciples' hearts are good. These guys really want to get it right. They really do. They really want what's best for everybody. But sometimes they just get it wrong. And I can relate to that. Okay. Let's be honest with you. And the disciples, their response to the people bringing their kids to Jesus was to rebuke them. I don't know what all that means, but I guess they told them to hit the bricks, okay? Get out of here. Now, the heart of the women and the men and the families that were bringing their kids to Jesus was that they had a heart for their kids to know who Jesus was because they knew that he would be able to bless them. The heart of the disciples was to get it right and to do the best that they can, but they were running off of some old traditions. And back in the day... Women and children were not looked at as being important. They were looked down upon. You didn't bring kids to something like that. They weren't important. Now, none of us in this room, if a kid came, if a parents brought their kids to church, would say, hey, get out of here. We don't want your kind here, right? Because that's foreign to us. Of course not. But the idea here is that there were traditions that the disciples were holding on to that needed to change. And Jesus is going to upend everything, which he's been doing. I don't know why they were surprised or if they were or not, but Jesus has been upending everything, okay? The meek shall inherit the earth. That's not normal, okay? There's something different. 
So the disciples were doing their best. And let me just tell you, the disciples were a small band of people, and they were really probably overspent. I mean, if you look at all the things that they were doing leading up to this moment, they were working hard. And they always say that 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people, right? You can imagine how exhausted the disciples were at this point. Who knows, it might have been at the end of the day. And they might have been like, just one more thing. They're ready to go off. Because they're human, just like you and me. Sometimes we mess up. We lose our temper. And so they rebuked these wonderful families who had a desire for their kids. Now here's the big thing, is that we as the church have to be careful about turning people away for whatever reason it is. Got to be careful. We've got to love kids no matter what is happening. Because I imagine, and whenever I read this story, I always imagined that there was a mom there and a kid, two or three maybe, and they were sitting there really nice and quiet, and they were listening. And there was like a line of them, and they were all lined up perfect in like a perfect little row, and everyone had their hands in their lap and were sitting quietly and listening. Now, I have kids of my own now, all right? And we have what's called Family Worship Sunday, right? It's fun times. And the reality is that kids don't follow the norms that we as adults know. We know to sit quiet and listen. and pre- We know to pretend that we're listening to the sermon, you know, and just kind of go. But kids don't know that. They're going to be doing what they're doing. And so I imagine, and I also think about, like, when I have to get my kids up for church in the morning. I don't know what that's like for you guys, but just this morning, we had a very interesting time getting our kids up for church this morning. I don't want to wear that outfit, Mommy. Why can't I wear this outfit, Daddy? I don't want to get up. I'm tired. Well, we asked you to go to bed early, but you didn't go to sleep. Yeah, but I'm tired. I don't, I don't want to eat that. I want to wait and eat something later and get dressed and take the dog out and arguments and fighting and yelling. and It's the reality sometimes. If you don't have that in your home on Sunday morning, God bless you. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Now, I don't remember that in my house. It might have happened. Mom, did that happen in our house? She doesn't remember. I love my mom. She doesn't remember anything. It's great. Because I get away with so much because she forgets everything. But the reality is, is by the time these moms got there, I can only imagine what they were feeling when they got there. Stressed. Beyond compare. Worried. What are my kids going to do? How are they going to be received? Are they going to embarrass me? Am I going to be embarrassed What's going to happen? What are they going to do when we get there? If they can't act right here at home, what are we going to get like when we get there? Don't embarrass me in front of the Messiah. God's here. Don't embarrass me in front of God. Okay? Who knows? But when they got there, they didn't make it easier on those parents. And let me tell you something. When parents get here, I guarantee you, and I teach a parenting class on Wednesday nights during the school year, and this is pretty universal when I talk to parents about it. Pretty universal when they get up. What goes on before you get to church and you put on those smiles like everything's perfectly fine and nothing crazy has happened is pretty universal. So when the kids get here and when the families get here, we better be ready to receive them and make it easy on them and love them 
and love their kids no matter how they're acting. Reggie Joyner has said, uh, he writes our curriculum that we use for kids' church. He said, uh, um, a, uh, a hormonal teen and a crying baby should feel nowhere more, should feel safer nowhere else more than he does in church. I didn't say that well. I didn't quote him well on that. <laughs> but what he's saying is those kids that come to church should feel nowhere, feel like they belong more than they do here. This is where when kids come, they should feel more welcome and more received and more loved. When those parents come with those kids, they should feel more welcome here than they do anywhere else. When you walk into Disney, I'm going to use Disney as an example. Have you all been to Disney? I love Disney. I do. I think it's great. And I need to get away sometimes and pretend like I'm in a fantasy world sometimes. <laughs> but when I get to Disney, I feel so welcome when I get there. They make me feel so good. They got a ton of people in there, by the way, welcoming you and helping you. And when you're leaving, they make you feel like you don't want to leave because they're like by with a big white hand saying goodbye, a Mickey hand. Nowhere do I feel more loved and welcomed than I do at Disney. Now, of course, I'm being exaggerating there. I don't really feel loved at Disney, okay? But I'm telling you, as a kid, when I went to that New Smyrna Bible Chapel, I felt loved when I went there. When I was growing up at... First Baptist South Daytona, I felt loved when I went there and felt accepted. And guys, when I came here and served for about four years as a layperson, I felt loved when I came here by the people, by Jason and by the pastors that were here. We do that very well here at First Baptist Daytona Beach, but sometimes we get caught in traditions. And sometimes we need to move away from what's been done in the past and do things differently. Because like Jason Leshes has mentioned, the message stays the same, but how we deliver that message will be different. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me is the same. But man, we can do that with a lot of fun and with a lot of excitement and get kids pumped up. So we need to make sure that we are not falling into the trap the disciples fell into. Having good intentions, having a heart to do the right thing, but sometimes just missing the mark. Man, we all do it. I do it all the time. And I have to pray and work on it. And I go to people and say, how did I handle this? Did I handle that okay? Was this the right thing to do or should I have done something different? And we got to work through that. So in the heart of the parents that they want their kids to know who Jesus was, because they know that they live and they follow the person of Jesus, that their life is going to be better. We have the disciples who want to get it right, but maybe they're not sure, and they're doing the best they can, but they messed up big time here. Who knows why they rebuked them. But then we have the heart of Jesus, which is my favorite part. And I want to tell you, if I didn't have that experience as a child... The people poured into me as a kid and helped me know who Jesus was and come to know Christ and, and grow in Christ as a teenager and a youth. And if the statistics didn't show that 85% of 4 to 14-year-olds to come to know Christ during that age, if none of that was true, to me, children's ministry would still be the most important thing because of what Jesus says here in this next verse. Because the fact of the matter is, the scripture is our foundation for where we go to figure out what's important, right? 
All right? So then we have Jesus. And Jesus says, let the children alone. Now, I don't know if they were grabbing the kids. What were they doing, right? Were they getting after them? No, or herding them out, right? Probably trying to, like, batten them away with their feet and say, nope, nope, not here, no, no, no. They were getting wild and woolly. One arm to take down. Learned that from my juvenile commitment program days. A one-arm escort to a takedown. No, they weren't doing that. He said, let the children alone. Hey, leave them alone. I don't know what they were doing, but it must have been pretty serious. He says, do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now, I don't know if Jesus knows that stat. He probably does. He probably has a better stat, okay? He's got better people working on that. But I guarantee you that Jesus understands that the 4-year-old to 14-year-old, that 85% of the people who come to know Christ come to know Christ in that age group. He knows that the kingdom of heaven is ripe for those kids to know who Jesus is. And where do they need to be? They need to be knowing him. Oh, they were, those kids were lucky because they had the Savior right there with them. Man, they were lucky. They had God right there saying, come to me. And he was perfect. But we as a church need to be a church that is exemplifying who Jesus is. And we need to have the heart of Christ. And the heart of Christ is, the heart of Christ is that we need to love kids and help them come to know him and do everything we can so the kids can be blessed in their life because they know Jesus. One thing that we're teaching your kids as they come to kids' church is I don't want our kids to do what they feel in their heart is the right thing to do. I want them to do what they feel like Christ wants them to do. I want them to say, what does Jesus want me to do in this scenario? And then do that. Because the problem is, is we get into what do I want to do, and then we get into trouble. I know from experience. Whenever I do what I want to do, I get into big trouble. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. She's got a list of them. She'll pull it out. She's got a database that she runs off. She knows exactly. But we want our kids to know that I don't want you to do what you want to do, what you feel is right. Do what Jesus would do. Because when we do what we want to do in, the, in, in this situation, we can see the disciples kind of did what they wanted to do and they were trying to get rid of the, the kids and the families. Not now, it's not time for you. But Jesus says, do not hinder them from coming to me. We need to make sure that we're not doing anything to keep kids from being able to come to know Jesus. And that means a lot of things. Gosh. Number one, we need to to love kids unconditionally when they get here and their families, no matter what background or no matter where they're coming from. Another thing that we need to make sure of is that if you're not serving anywhere, if you don't have anywhere where you're serving and you kind of come to church and you listen, which is good, do that, but if you're not serving anywhere, find a place to serve. And I'm going to talk about this because Christy is so wonderful she has wonderful people working in her preschool. But sometimes one of the biggest hindrances in her preschool ministry is that we have a hard time filling slots. And man, what a difference it would make 
in that preschool ministry if we had a ton of people loving on those kids every week? What would that say to our community who are bringing their kids here? We have wonderful kids in our children's program. I'm not kidding you. We have decades of experience from multiple people in our children's program who have served for 15, 20, 30 years, some of them. But what a difference it would make if we had more so that when people come, they can see how much the church really cares and loves. Overabundance of helpers. Just think about our youth. I love Jason Lessons. I don't know if he's here this morning, but man, he has great workers. And I get to do a lot with Jason because I have youth. And so when I go to breakout, I see these amazing people who take a week off of work. And they go and they spend them with youth. And I'm getting to go to Guatemala with them and, and the group of kids that are going. And I see these, these leaders pouring into these youth. Like you would not believe. But man, he could use some help. And I'm saying if you're serving somewhere, man, good, do that. But if you're not connected in one of these places, the gospel is ripe in the life of children for them to be able to love for Christ and to come to know Jesus. And man, we could make a huge difference in our community. For example, these women had probably seen what? The feeding of the 5,000, they might have been there. They saw the feeding of the 4,000, they might have been there too. And then they say, we really want our kids to know this guy. He's doing miraculous things. Now, I'm not saying that our fall festival is as miraculous as the feeding of the 5,000, but it's pretty close, right? We're feeding a lot of people out there. <laughs> Thank you, Mike and Lowell and all the people who serve out there and do that. And then when people come, they want to know more. And they will come to church. When they come to Windshape, because we scholarship their kids and they came for free or they came by paying $100 or $50 and they want to know what's different about this church and they come, they need to see that we do it every week and that we love on those kids every week. Guys, we're doing some amazing things at First Baptist Daytona Beach. You guys, man, I, I'm... Couldn't be happier serving here. But if you're not serving anywhere else, guys, we could use your help in preschool, children, and youth across the board. Because there's always more work to be done. And here's the thing Jesus' heart is to not do anything that will hinder them from coming. That's good. One other thing. And I almost forgot about this again. I almost forgot about the, the warehouse. Guys, I want you to know that there's a person in our church that exemplifies the heart of Christ more than anyone I've ever met. And I'm going to brag about this person. There's lots of them, but I'm going to talk about this one particular one. If I don't mention you, I'm sorry, because you're sitting there going, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. It is you probably. <laughs> but listen, and you guys, when I say it, you'll know Teddy Shoemake. Guys, no one exemplifies Christ more than Teddy Shoemake, because let me tell you, That guy will beg, borrow, and steal to get kids to church. He won't steal, but you know what I mean. And he loves kids more than anybody I know and that I've met. And, you know, when I grew up with this verse, the verse was, suffer the little children to come unto me, right? Remember that? That's what I grew up with it on, okay? And Teddy is suffering so those kids can come to church every week. We have bus drivers who drive 
One of them drives twice a week, twice a month, I'm sorry, twice a month. And they're driving once a month to be able to serve. But we need help in that ministry. We need bus drivers. If you have a passenger's endorsement, gosh, you could come and drive and bring kids from the community who would never hear the good news of Jesus Christ if they didn't ride that bus. What are we doing? Are we doing enough? Are we hindering kids from knowing Jesus? And I want to say, before I kind of move on to this next part and we close, I want to say this. Parents, the number one example for your kids to see Jesus Christ is you. The number one place. We need to be making sure that we are not hindering our kids from knowing who Jesus is. That message is for our parents too. It's mainly for the church, for all of us sitting out here, the body of believers, but our parents, guys, listen, we have, it's statistically about 48 hours a year with your kids. 48 hours. You have over 3,000 hours a year with your kids to be able to talk to them and teach them about Jesus. You are the primary example of Jesus Christ in your kid's life. Don't waste that. Take every opportunity. And I'm going to say this. There's a lot of really great things out there for your kids to do. Quality things that are good for your kids to do. But churches probably should be the number one. Not even probably. It should be the number one thing that you do with your kids. My mom had me playing baseball. Had me playing soccer. I think I did gymnastics one time. What I really wanted to do was fencing. I really wanted to be a fencer because I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> she said no to that. She said no. But her number one priority for me was to be a church. That's where she always wanted me to be more than anything else. And I'm thankful for that because I was never going to be a great soccer player. I wasn't going to be a good football player. I was, I'm terrible at basketball. If you want to beat me at anything, play basketball with me. But guys, we as parents need to be the number one source. Now, as we close and as Ken comes up, there are, I'm reading a book. It's called, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it because I'm nervous. It's called uh, Growing Young. Lowell gave me a hard time about it one time because he was worried I was having an identity crisis. Are you going through your midlife crisis? I think he said to me when he saw me reading that book. Growing Young, it's about churches that are growing with young families in them. And I'm telling you, it's a great book. It's all about statistics. It's from the Fuller Institute. Uh, it's done by Kara Powell. And it talks about churches that are growing young and having young families grow. And I'm telling you, it'll really speak to who you are. And there's three things that they say churches are doing when they're growing young. There's three things. First thing is they're recognizing that children or family are, are important, that they're important. Okay? That's the first thing. I think we got that, right? We all know that children and families are important. God's Word says it. We know it. The second thing is they believe it's important to do something about children and families and helping them come to know Jesus Christ. But I bet we can guess what the third thing is. The third thing is that they are doing something about it. And they say that the third thing is the most important thing. We can believe that it's important to have a vibrant children's preschool youth ministry. We can believe that it's important to have a, a, important to have a, a great bus ministry and that those kids are important and we can be excited about that. 
But what are we doing to actually make that happen? And sometimes we've got to lay off our traditions and get rid of the things that we've done in the past and, and mix it up a bit. So my challenge to you this morning, and I'm hoping that Ken is going to come soon. Ken, you can come on down, brother. He was busy. I was like, where's Ken? He's over there signing. He's awesome. The few things that I want to challenge you with as we move into ending this. First of all, if you do not have, this is important, if you don't have a testimony like I gave at the beginning of my message, my prayer is that you will get one today and that you will surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you something. That testimony has held me together through some really bad times. And when I think that I am messing it up and I'm getting it so wrong and that I can't even go on, I remember that day that I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that experience and you can't relate that to anybody, I would pray that today would be the day that you pray to receive Jesus as your Savior. The second thing I would ask is that what are you doing to help children and families? What are you doing to help these kids in fertilizing their hearts with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can come to know Jesus? If you're doing something, man, that's awesome. Do that. Keep doing it. Don't give up. I'm going to share a story. As I said that, it's coming to my mind. I was sitting up in the balcony, all right, under a pastor here, and I had just, my family was sick, and I was here, and I was teaching third grade by myself. Sunday school, this was back in the day. And I was having a rough morning, and I was feeling discouraged. And I was sitting up there in the, in the balcony, and I was like, I'm, I'm quitting. I'm not teaching third grade anymore. Christy was at home with sick kids, and I was feeling, I was really pouting, guys. I was feeling really bad for myself. I needed to get over. I was a big baby. But I was sitting there, I was thinking, I'm, I'm quitting this. I'm, I'm out of here. This is too much. I'm working full time. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I've got too much on my plate, I said, as a layperson. Working with juvenile delinquents in a commitment program, struggling financially and going through a lot of difficulties. And I don't know if I was, because we lived with my mom for about two years. Hey, Amen. We're not doing that anymore. Low point, guys. And the pastor said, that Sunday, I don't know what else he said, but he said this, and this is what I heard. He said, some of you are thinking about quitting. That's literally what he said. Some of you think about quitting. He said, don't. Don't quit. And I said, doggone it, I was going to quit. <laughs> and I said, well, God, you couldn't speak more clearly to me than you did that day. I mean, you fast forward a few years later, and for some reason, God has called me back to this church to be the children's pastor. And I feel unworthy of that and proud of that as well. Where are you serving? What are you doing to help these kids come to know Jesus Christ? If you're not anywhere, come see me, and I'll get you plugged in. If you're not anywhere, come see Christy. If you're not anywhere, come see Jason Leschitz. Man, he could use some help. Come see us. Because here's the thing. We don't need a pastor to come up here and say, help out in these areas. Because we have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who says, do not hinder the kids to come to me. And that's who we follow.
ultimately. I look forward to that pastor getting here, don't you? Because he's going to say the same thing when he gets here. So as we bow our heads and as we close our eyes, my prayer for you today is that that God will speak to your heart. If you don't know him as your savior, that you would come. And as our pastors come forward, if you feel like God's calling you and leading you to, to a salvation experience with him, please come forward. If you feel like God's calling you to to serve somewhere, you can come talk to me about that. I'd be happy to talk with you. But maybe you just need to rededicate your life and get back into where you were serving. So let's pray. Father God, we love you. And Lord, we are so thankful for your son, Jesus, who came and, man, he just turned everything upside down. And Lord, I thank you that he did that because because of his heart and, the, and people catching his heart, I was able to come to know you as my Savior. And Lord Jesus, thank you for inspiring the hearts of those people who came and led me to a fuller relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church that works so hard to love children and families. And Lord, for the many years that people have served and led and done so much so that people can know Jesus and families can be loved. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that if anyone here doesn't know you as their Savior, that this would be the day that they would turn that, their life over to you. And Lord, that if someone's not serving, Lord, that you would encourage them to get involved somewhere. Because inaction can be a hindrance to your word. So Lord Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.